Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming to Star Trek Comic Book Review, as always. Uh, we're doing something a little different today uh, because of the fact that we're still putting the finishing touches on our next Gold Key Theater uh, episode. Uh, those take a little bit longer than, than most episodes. So we're, uh, in the meantime, what we're doing is we're doing a special little recording where Donovan and I get to talk about some very important Star Trek things that just came up, which are... So this weekend, we got to see the uh, trailer for Star Trek Beyond, or I'm sorry, Star Trek Discovery, the new CBS show that'll come on next year. Right. Plus, we just finished watching uh, the movie, Star Trek Beyond, uh, independently, but yes. close enough together that uh, it's still very fresh on our minds, and we're exactly. just going to kind of go over what we thought about it. Uh, we're going to kind of give a, a spoiler-free, quick thoughts and then we will warn you and maybe uh, go into some spoiler territory yeah definitely go into spoiler territory so it's it's fresh on our minds um i'm excited uh <laughs> some mixed feelings about the uh the little trailer that came out of comic con love comic con so many great uh things have been announced there uh, of which the new the name of the new series and we get to see the ship and that's it. That's all we see. Well, I know. But still, that's important. <laughs> no, it's what everybody's been wanting to know. Well, it's part of it, yeah. So the name is Star Trek Discovery, so we know the title of the new series. Right. And it'll be all about the ship, the uh, USS Discovery, which is NCC-1031. And what, what a fascinating registry number. Yeah, so it's a little lower than what we're used to. So yes. what do you think that means? Well... What's cool about that is that tells us a lot about the series, I think. Uh, you know, that one little shot of the saucer section coming out and seeing the registry number tells us a lot about when the series is going to take place. Right. So we speculate now that maybe this is going to happen before Star Trek, the original series, and after uh, next – or I'm sorry, uh, Enterprise. Yes, exactly. So we've got a ship – that um, has the USS in front of it, um, and obviously it's more advanced than Enterprise, uh, the original Enterprise, NX-01, uh, but a lower registry number. And of course, the registry numbers tend to uh, go up as time progresses. You know, numbers go up uh, as they run out of the lower numbers, unless, of course, you have a letter at the end, right? So uh, definitely lower number than 1701. Right. So in addition to the registry number, what else did we see of the ship? And what were your oh my thoughts? Gosh. Well, let me just first say it's going to take some getting used to. Um, some ships I see and I'm enamored with immediately. This one, I don't think it looks good. I don't like it, to be perfectly <laughs> frank, but I'm sure I'll get used to it. Mm -hmm. Do not like the secondary hull. 
Right. So basically, if anybody's familiar with Star Trek uh, Two or Star Trek Phase Two, whatever it was going to be called, the uh, the TV show that ultimately became Star Trek the Motion Picture. Right. There was some pre-production artwork of what the Enterprise could look like, and in one version, it was basically the secondary hole was a triangle with nacelles stuck on it, and then the saucer section at the top. Yeah. So it it was very much a delta shape pyramid kind of flattened pyramid shape and triangle right and uh, uh ralph mccrary i think mm-hmm. uh came up with that that design one of several i believe and i didn't like it then and it looks a lot like that not perfectly like that the new ship the new discovery ship and i don't like it now Right, so the only real difference between that version and this one is uh, it looks like the deflector dish is a little more pronounced on the new one, mm-hmm. and the wings kind of go back into a V. So it almost looks to me like a like an old-style Romulan ship with a saucer section kind of stuck on the top. Well, the way the, the wings come off, or not the wings, but the nacelles come off into uh, from the, the secondary hull. So. Right. You, you know, in, in some ways, it reminded me a little bit of um, of Klingon ships with the D7s mm, right. you know, from original Taws 2. Just in the fact that, you know, this, you know that, that big section behind where the, where the neck comes out and stuff, uh, sweeping back a bit and then connecting to the nacelles. Now, of course, in this, this case, of course, the nacelles are up on the Discovery. Uh, as opposed to down, you know, with that flipping down at the edge sure. of the uh, the original D seven uh, Klingon ship, uh, but whatever, it just just reminds me of different. It just reminded me a little bit of the D sevens, right? I could definitely see that too. Yeah. Um, and then the the one thing that was most noticeable to me, and I'm sure it has to be there on purpose, was that you know when it comes out of that space dock or whatever, and it's kind of it's all lit up and then you know behind it is all black right uh the the engineering section the way it tapers to the nacelles and stuff looks like the starfleet swoosh so it, it's oh, yeah. that right. triangular so when you look at shape. it from the bottom yeah yeah so it looks like the starfleet swoosh with some nacelles on two sides and a saucer section on another hmm. i just thought it was interesting look yeah and it will take me some getting used to <laughs> yeah I, I i think they could have i think they could have done better <laughs> to be perfectly frank but whatever uh it's the stories and the people although quite frankly as has been said by many other people the enterprise is an important character too right. uh in these stories so okay. you think you think that uh the reason why that what was it axner or whatever axenar axenar was getting all those cease and desist is because this is also going to take place in the same time frame. Because that was all about the that Klingon war that happened right before right. The, uh, Pike took over the Enterprise and stuff like that. So, I mean, if the registry number and the design of the ship kind of looking very retro, I mean, this could easily fall in that same time frame. You know, that's a really good point. So, yeah, Axanar... So we have uh, the Enterprise days, the original, the, the TV series, the last TV series we had seen with Captain Archer and everything. We have the Romulan War. Well, we have the Zindi conflict. And then after the Zindi conflict, we have the Romulan War. And then apparently, according to Axanar, after the Romulan War, we have a Klingon War. Perfect. Um, 
And this very well could be during the Klingon conflict. And of course, the four, I think they called it the Four Years' War in the Axanar trailer, or the, like, the little, little prequel kind of taste that right. they put out about Axanar to, get, to generate uh, funding. And that's a good point. This could be uh, in that time period, which would make perfect sense why they're doing the cease and desist on Axanar. Right. Huh. Anyways, we won't know until closer to the end of the year. I'm sure we'll get some spoilers here. Right. Soon. And another good point is the music they played during that little taste where they introduced the discovery. Um, The music, as opposed to being kind of like hopeful, you know, a typical kind of uh, military, semi-military kind of... You know, the kind of stuff you normally hear with with Star Trek uh, and Federation stuff. It was, at times, it almost sounded Klingon to me. Hmm, I'm going to have to rewatch it. Watch that again and listen to the music. Or listen listen to the music. Um, It it struck me as a little atypical and just a little Klingon-esque. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I'll give it a watch. I'm going to watch it as soon as we get off. Um, Fascinating. But but one thing I will point out is I like the name uh, Discovery. Uh, me too. You know because you know we're, we're both from United States. So in the United States we had Star Trek with the Enterprise, mm-hmm. and then when the space shuttle program started, they named the first space shuttle Enterprise. Yes. But then one of the other space shuttles that ran for a very long time was Discovery. Yeah. And then now they're coming out with a new Star Trek, and they're naming it Discovery. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, coming full circle, you know, kind of a, a little... A nod to the uh, shuttle Discovery. Right. Like part, they, part of it. Right. Also, it's a very positive name. Uh, you know, there are like two halves of Star Trek where it's about uh, discovery and adventure and... You know, pushing the the boundaries of what we know and exploration. Uh, you know, so at the beginning, uh, Picard and company are definitely in the exploration business. But then towards the end of the series, especially when the board came into the picture, um, you know, the shift, uh, especially during the uh, DS9 uh, war with um, with the uh, founders, Dominion. Yep, the Dominion. Uh, very, very big shift towards war, uh, on, which is more exciting and everything. But um, I like the title. It, 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 it harkens back to more the discovery phase. And I hope it turns out to be that way, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to the four years war with the Klingons. Right. But I guess we'll find out. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. So shall we move on to Star Trek Beyond? Please. And what we thought about it? Please, yes. Um, so a non-spoiler review. Uh, I thought it was a very busy movie, but uh, with some nonsensical plot points. But overall, I thought it had uh, great characterization. Maybe some of the best we've seen in a Star Trek movie in a while. I, I think I like the movie more than you. <laughs> I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So uh, I was I was excited. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, 
the the movie had plenty of warts to it. <laughs> Things that didn't quite make sense, but it's like it's a thrill ride. Uh, it's a roller coaster ride. Um, if every bolt is not perfect, well, maybe that's okay. But uh, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, I this is one of my favorite Star Trek movies in a long time, and I like it even more than the 2009 reboot. So you'd you'd put it as your favorite of the rebooted movies? Yes, definitely. And as far as like overall movie, you would rank it where? Well, yeah, I uh, obviously Wrath of Khan is my favorite. Um, First Contact still my second favorite, and and that's really close, by the way, because I between those two, I really liked First Contact, a quintessential Star Trek movie. Those two are clearly at the top and very close to neck and neck, but I give the edge to Wrath of Khan. Um, And quite frankly, I'm comparing it to what used to be my third favorite, spoiler, uh, which is uh, Voyage Home. Loved Voyage Home. Um, And I got to say, I like it better than Voyage Home. So there you go. I say number three. Number three of all time. Oh, yeah. Number three. I would say it's my second favorite of the rebooted ones, and ranking it, I would, you know, it kind of ranks up there with, uh, you know, like maybe like Star Trek Three for me, or which I really liked, mm-hmm. and I really liked this one too. But you know, like so it was behind behind Voyage Home, so it's somewhere around. Say, is it around five? It's, it's probably behind Voyage Home, um, maybe even behind Undiscovered Country. But uh, but but up there, you know, kind of. Oh wow! A li- little high, a little higher than middle of the pack. Wow! I mean, if you're counting all country. the Star Trek, I like un- undiscovered. I, oh, I did too. Um, I did too. I just I, I enjoyed undiscovered country. I mean, and I liked I liked Star Trek the 2009 better. Yeah. So it's definitely better than End of Darkness. It's better than all of the Picard movies, with the exception of First Contact. Right. So uh, I mean. Like I said, I liked it a lot. But if I had to rank it in, in between all 13 movies or whatever the number is now, uh, I would say it's a little better, maybe a little higher than half. But Okay. But right right there around that. Cool, cool. Okay, definitely a difference in excitement about the movie. Uh, uh, I'm not saying I wasn't definitely. excited, Ken. You're, you're, you're making it sound like I didn't like the movie. I loved the movie. <laughs> just, you, you, I'm just saying, I, I want to make sure that was clear. Okay, okay, <laughs> fine, fine. Um, I'm just more excited about the movie. It's not that you're not excited. It's just that I'm a lot more excited about the movie. Okay, all right, all right. so um, I thought the visual, you said it was very busy, and I completely agree with you. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, it's really amazing when they talked, they used to talk about it in Star Wars, uh, original Star Wars, and then the Star Trek movies, but mostly in the Star Wars area, they talked about how many moving elements they could composite together in one scene. And of course, back then, they did use computers, but it wasn't computer-generated graphics yet. And there was a limit to how many things you could have on the screen that was moving uh, at the same time, because you'd have to coordinate all those movements of the ships and whatever. That's why the first Star Wars so was so cool with the dogfights and everything, the trench run. Right. But this thing, uh, they've got basically swarm ship technology. 
where there are thousands, I mean, it looks like thousands of ships yeah, that are attacking. School of fish, like, that, that's what yeah, they're like sure. to me. Sure, sure, sure. Like, yeah. So maybe they lifted some tech technology from finding Dory. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, when those, uh, they, you know, that, that, that big school of fish kept on doing impressions with faces and stuff. Uh, so maybe they t- lifted that technology and dropped it into uh, this movie to create a very formidable weapon. Um, and these things are all like moving in a semi-autonomous way. I mean, they're all coordinating their attacks. And spoiler alert, they destroy the Enterprise. I think everybody knows that from the trailers by now. Um, and the movement of all those things uh, is just really busy and really impressive from a technology standpoint. No, it looks fantastic, and yeah. and uh, there's a space station that looks unlike any other space station we've ever seen. Oh my seen. god, the Yorktown. And it also was very visually stunning um, wow. and, and busy. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's like, what was it? It was M- MC... What's the artist that MC would always... Escher? Yeah, it looked like an M.C. Escher painting. Right, the yes. Way everything kind of bled into everything else. Right. And it was just like, depending on what you were focusing on, the rest of the stuff meant something different almost. Well, okay, yeah. So it had cityscapes that would be... That would go along like almost a Halo-esque arch. And it would have parks and skyscrapers and whatever. And... Within this structure, there were multiple rings going around, or semicircles, or whatever, and they had all this stuff placed on it. So, like an MC, MC Escher uh, drawing, or maybe a little bit like uh, Inception, the movie Inception, these cityscapes are all like juxtaposed and sometimes facing each other. And it's like, wow, it's totally like what, unlike what you'd see in a real planet uh, scape. And I just like, wow, this is really cool. And of course, this whole thing, uh, so as opposed to the Yorktown spaceship, this is the Yorktown space station, uh, starbase, whatever. And it's all enclosed within this big, clear dome, or not dome, but sphere. So it's kind of like a, a Dyson sphere, but rather than building all the the all the uh, the buildings and stuff on the inside of the sphere they've got all these like uh like arches going inside of the glass well i'm sure it's transparent aluminum and that's what they build everything on top of and gosh darn does that look like an amazing vision of the future agreed it was it was pretty impressive it was eye candy I was just, you know, I was just drinking it in when when I saw that when they were showing that. I was like, "Wow, that thing's impressive." All right, so shall we move into some more spoilery territory? Sure, sure. All right, so spoiler alert. Stop listening if you've not seen the movie yet. Well, it, <clears throat> I might have done a couple spoilers, but eh, sorry. Nothing that you hadn't already seen in the trailer. Right. All right, so as far as plot points go, uh as Ken mentioned before, it's it's got a few, um, but but just real quick, some of the ones that that really irked me were uh, there's the Enterprise makes it past any where any ship had ever gone before, yet we find a very old NX class ship there, which we also saw in the trailer, um, which is cool because I love that ship. But USS the, Franklin, yeah, the reason or uh, is it USS? Yeah, 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 USS. It is. Franklin. 
Yeah. yeah. It's like registry number is NX382 or something like that. So uh, it's pretty low registry number. But anyway, so it's it, a lot it, higher than the NX01. Yeah, right. It's like the 300th ship. Anyways, um, it's there with no real explanation. And when they do ask about it, they turn it into a joke because it's like, why is this here? And then Scotty's like, I don't know. Uh, why would a green hand hold a ship in space? And, you know, don't ask, you know, kind of thing, which is uh-huh. hilarious. But uh, that didn't answer the question as to yeah. how this ship got so far through this this uh, cloud that no other ship can make. And uh, <clears throat> and it was 100 years earlier. Yep. Uh, so that, that was the biggest one I had. And then also there's... Ro- the robot drones, where they came from, things like that. There's there's a lot of little stuff that you just gotta you just gotta go with it. Enjoy yeah. the movie. Yeah, and also they used a few sci-fi tropes, where we come to find out that the main bad guy is um, is actually a human. However, his life has been prolonged for at least a hundred years, uh, but through use of some technology or something where he is actually sucking the life out of people. So, cool little technology, but that was another thing that's kind of like a rehash of things that we've seen ah, a fair amount in the past. Uh, There's a lot of different stories. Uh, Before the recording, you mentioned the movie Life Force. Starring Patrick Stewart. Starring Patrick. Well, yeah, he was one of the secondary characters, but yes. And I did not remember because I, mean, I remember that movie. Steve Railsback was was the the main star of that one, and I did not remember Patrick Stewart was in that at all. But anyway, <laughs> so they did the same kind of life sucking kind of thing going on there. Um, in Stargate Atlantis, there's uh, the the big heavies in that TV series would again suck the life out of you. That's how they fed. Um, so exactly how that worked. And then towards the end of the movie, well, anyway, there, there was a few things. There was some retreading going on and some ideas where they jammed a whole bunch of things together. And you just don't want to think too much. Right. So another thing that was kind of bugging me, although it was very exciting, is there was a part when they finally kicked off all the dust of the Franklin and got her flying again. And I assume they loaded not only our main bridge crew characters – but also all the rest of the survivors of uh, the Enterprise, the Enterprise crew, which is a lot of people. I think they they loaded everybody up in this old ship. They weren't sure if it was even going to fly. And how do they have to get it going? In the finest traditions of trying to get a manual transmission vehicle going, they had to kind of push start it, kind of, and they want they, they got to push started by gravity. So. Very exciting part, but they basically push the ship off of a ledge with the ship's engines, and then it is free-falling downward and possibly going to crash against the rocky surface. And when they reach the right velocity, terminal velocity, I think they said, which I think is how fast you drop, you know, when you're, you know, gravity. The fastest free-falling move, right. Exactly, right. You reach terminal velocity, then that's going to get the engines going. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, uh, well, okay. Part of, I'm just adding on to the you know the things pointing out that it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, 
incredibly exciting sequence, but oh, don't think too much. Right. Yeah, and it's and it's not just a free fall either. I mean, it's still bouncing and stuff like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's hitting pretty, off of things. Pretty funny. So this hundred year plus old ship that's hitting off of like rocks and and parts of like little outcroppings of or big big outcroppings, uh, and it's still able to be spaceworthy and hold its 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 air when they get into space. It, it by the way, spoiler alert: they make it. They do. They, they get the engines going. Hmm. Amazing. <laughs> All right, it, very, again, it's like the Enterprise under the water. Let's not let logic get in the way of a really cool sequence. Right. Yeah. Another thing that that bothered me uh, that I thought was like, oh, this is just like the video game, which you know I'm referring oh, to the, the Star Trek video game. Uh-huh. It had a lot of like nonsensical, just shootout type things with the Gorn. Uh-huh. But there's a scene where they're on the Enterprise after it's crashed, and they're they're fighting, and then they end up like launching half of the uh, thrusters on one side of the br- the saucer section, and it kind of does this, you know, goes from being right side up to flip over and be upside down, and you know, just they're fighting while they're sliding down the hole. And oh right, it's yeah. just like wow, this is just doesn't make any sense. It's cool, but just go with it because it's a video game, you know. So, right. uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think w- when I take my son to see it later in the week, uh, he'll enjoy it, you know, because he was a big fan of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, oh, they did the same thing. Very similar. It, it's, I mean, it's not the exact, but there was, you know, it's just nonsensical action, which you know, what <laughs> what ten year olds not going to like that, uh, or fifty four year old. <laughs> so. Anyways, um, so, but, you know, all those nitpicks aside, uh, I honestly think this movie had the best characterizations uh, of those original yeah. characters that we've seen uh, maybe ever, you know, or at least. Oh, yeah. Good uh, point. From the, these last rebooted movies. I mean, when we had the, you know, the, the Kirk and Chekhov are kind of doing their own thing, and it's fantastic, especially since, you know, it's kind of a little sad since uh, Anton's passed away. Right. Uh, but then we also had the sideline with uh, McCoy and Spock, which might be some of the best parts of the whole movie, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it, it, the the interactions between the characters were wonderful, um, and definitely the McCoy Spock uh, <laughs> uh, parts of the movie, which there were many of them. I think I thought were great. Right. Yeah, and lots of little like nods to the fans about you know, I would never want you in my head kind of thing. Uh-huh. McCoy says at one point, or and you're just like, hey, hey that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it was that, good. I think that is, I think that is the single biggest asset this movie has going for it. They've gotten back and they've tapped back into those classic relationships that the characters had. Um, and I think it's pretty cool that they have some new pretty good relationships, too. It's not nearly as long as the Spock and McCoy interactions. But I thought, again, there was some nice little interactions between uh, Ahura and Spock. Oh, Short-lived. Yeah. That was great. Very short, but they were really good. So, like, like in the 2009 movie where basically <laughs> uh, Ahura is telling Spock, oh, she'll be on the Enterprise. You know. <laughs> 
Um, I think that's what, yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's supposed to be going off into a different ship from Spock, and she basically tells him uh, how it's going to be. I thought that was great, too. But a little bit of that happening in this movie, too. Right. Too. Uh, it was great. Yeah. All in all, great movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, being the toy collector that I am, uh, especially when it comes to Enterprises, I was a little disappointed that the new Enterprise looked very, very, very similar to the uh, the current one. There, there might have been a few little changes here and there, uh, but, you know, I, I really wanted it to be drastically different to really justify buying another <laughs> giant not a giant but a good size you know when you put you know several of those like what a, you diamond, want a diamond select uh, yeah go. once you put several of those diamond select uh, to, uh toys on on a bookshelf and you're justifying it with your wife that it needs to be in the living room or in the <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh well we got to have all the enterprises you know so uh to justify, you know, buying another one of those and then justifying why it needs to be up there along with the original rebooted Enterprise. Uh, it needed to look different, and it just didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. And that, that's um, – I, like I like the redone Enterprise, but I got to say, we haven't really – we didn't see – let me first say that I'm so happy they did not make us wait until Star Trek fourteen. To see the new Enterprise. Because you knew it was going to be a new Enterprise. There had to be. There had to be. I mean, the ship was destroyed. And, of course, you know ongoing mission. Um, which, oh. I'm going to get back to the fact that we're in our third year of the five-year mission in a minute. But um, I I really, I like the new design. I, I agree with you. It isn't that much different from the original 2009 movie, Enterprise. But, quite frankly... Did you really expect it to be usually different? I mean, maybe you want it to be usually different, but you know these ships tend to be um, evolving as opposed to a from scratch rewrite. So I wasn't expecting it to be hugely different, and it wasn't hugely different. But I think I saw more differences in it than you did, maybe. But maybe it's just a, a question of degree and right, whatever. I, I saw well, some differences. Um, but yeah, it, it was very, it was very similar to the 2009 movie one. Right. I just wanted it to look, maybe I wanted it to look more like the, uh, the motion picture era enterprise. Cause nah. I still think that's probably my favorite enterprise. Really? So I, I kind of wanted it to be, you know, at least in that vein, maybe have some squarish nacelles instead of the round ones and things right. like that. And, you know, cause the movie era and the TV era enterprise is supposed to be the same ship. But quite a bit difference, right? Oh, yeah. But not drastically. You could tell that, you know, under everything, it could technically be still the same ship. Right. And that's just what I wanted. Some sort of progression, but a noticeable progression. Right. And, of course, the reason there was such a big difference between the movie and the TV series Enterprises is because, come on, the original Enterprise, love the shape, iconic, one of my favorite ships, but it was made on a shoestring budget. Using 60s technology. Sure. In the movie, you got a lot more money to work, play with, and you know it had to be a lot different. And you're competing with Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. So you had to, you couldn't go with yeah. It, it had to be a big leap visually. But I I agree with you. I think they did a masterful job. You look at it, you know it's the Enterprise. Um, but it's a refit, so they had 
license to to make a lot of changes, and they did. Sure. And and I do agree that the leap between uh, Taw's era Enterprise and the refit Enterprise much bigger than the change we see here. And by the way, it's Enterprise A, as it had to be. It had to right. be Enterprise right. A. Yeah, it had to be. So, um, anyway, so one of the differences that I saw is the nacelles are a lot, a lot more consistent along their length as far as uh, diameter. So it's not quite the perfectly cylindrical um, rocket ship engines that they put in the Taws era Enterprise, but mm-hmm. it it is not as bulbous as the 2009 Enterprise, where it's very uh, round and curved and really big in the front, and it tapers into a much smaller thing towards the back. Um, I was fine with the 2009 engines. I thought they looked cool, uh, but that is definitely an area an area that maybe they had some criticism. I don't know. But way back in 2009, come on, we're in 2016. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So no, third, I'm with you. You know, but it that makes it look more like the Taws Enterprise. Uh, so the way they did the nacelles, it's a lot closer to the Taws Enterprise. Um, another change I saw, which is not like anything, is um, they've got the connection point of the engine pylon, the nacelle pylon, much for almost at the front of the nacelle. Now I need to look at it again. Yeah, and that was a fundamental point of departure, which I have not, that's a particular design point that I haven't seen on any Starfleet vessel that I recall. So having it connected that far forward uh, is quite different. And from an engineering standpoint, I don't know that that's a good idea, but you know, as far as, you know, stress, handling stress and things like that, but that is something new. Um, It seemed like the, the deflector dish, the, the, you know, in the front of the engineering section might have been further forward, might have stick, stuck out a little bit more. Um, maybe. Um, as far as the connectors between the secondary hull and the saucer section, that looked pretty much the same as the 2009 movie uh, Enterprise. And of course, the the saucer itself, I didn't notice any big differences in the saucer between the 2009 movie and uh, the 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 brand new one, A Enterprise yeah. A. Yeah, it did look like it was chrome for a while. Like, oh, like, but then, yeah. but then I'm assuming it got a coat of paint towards the end. But it, <laughs> it didn't actually show it, so m- maybe it's going to be a different tone. I don't know. Oh, that's a good point. So you're saying it looks a little bit more like an X01? A little bit, or at least it did when it was being made. But like I said, I. It's on the screen for like you know, yeah, thirty seconds if that, right. and it's while they're doing the space, the final frontier, which I really liked how they did it in the movie with uh, everybody. everybody from the quote, everybody from the cast doing one line. Yeah, but, that was uh, cool. So, have you found actually any photos online yet? Nope, I did not. I have not either, and I've done I've done multiple searches. Uh, I saw a pretty uh, pretty cool picture of uh, the Yorktown station. Or Yorktown, um, and that's a that's about all I can find. Oh, I do see, I do see another photo, photo of um, the Enterprise that's at the beginning of this movie, and I qualify that because 
the Enterprise at the beginning of this movie does look a little bit different from the Enterprise we've seen in the first two reboot movies. Yeah, they, they took some liberties with it. Well, yeah, so it seems like maybe the nacelles are a little closer together, maybe. I thought they were, especially when they were showing it like at warp and they were doing that close-up of the front and right. the nacelles looked like they were almost right behind the bridge. Right, yeah. Anyway, oh, anyway. so this was supposed to be a short little yep. mini thing, so. Going long again. Yeah. Is there anything else to say about it? I mean, uh, there's probably a lot to say. You said you wanted to talk about the three-year mission. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I thought it was very interesting. They said very clearly it is the three-year it, – it's the third year of the five-year mission, and that was important to say because at the very beginning of the movie, and I thought this was a very good uh, development, uh, character development kind of thing, you know, Kirk has kind of got the, got the blahs. You know, it's his birthday's coming up, and he's like, you know, what are we doing out here? And getting kind of sick of the sameness, and he's got the same uniform every day, and all that kind of stuff. And that really makes sense if you're like three years into the five year mission. So right. that's kind of cool. And also, that allows you to have all that great stuff that we've been reading in the ongoing series. So, all those things that not about all of them, but mo- many of those things that went on in the ongoing comic book now could have actually taken place um, because they've been out for three years. Right. I kind of like that. I liked it. I yeah. thought it was great. Um, I-, I thought the timing was good. Uh, I liked, you know, the. not only was Kirk kind of like rethinking his his spot, but also Spock was as well. Oh, yeah. The whole thing about... Uh... Original Spock, old Spock, passing on. Oh boy, this could take forever. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but anyways, but... it was great characterization. I thought everybody's motivations, except for the bad guys, was very grounded, and I liked where they were progressing. All the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Adiris Alba. I, I I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Uh, he was the bad guy. Interesting character. Well played. Although I wish I would have heard more from him, um, myself, mm-hmm. and who he turned out being was pretty cool. So that was a bit of a mystery. When we find out who he is, uh, we should probably wrap up. But let me just say that I thought that was pretty good. I liked who he was. I just didn't like what he was doing. <laughs> but oh, he's also, he's also the bad guy, so you're not supposed to really like what he's doing. Oh, you're about his motivations for what? Yeah, he was doing? I wish I wish it was yeah. a little clearer. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's not get into that because that, that could take forever. Yeah, no. This was supposed to be fast. Okay. So all is right. that it? That's all I have. Yeah. Definitely recommend the movie. Go out and uh, show your Star Trek patronage. I hope the movie makes a good chunk of money. I, I certainly hope it's number one in the box office this weekend, but I don't know. Um, it's going against Ice Age. Ah! Is it like the third or fourth Ice Age movie? Haven't they had a lot of Ice Age movies? Fourth or something. Is it? Okay. Oh, there you go. Anyway. um, So definitely get out there and and show your patronage. Uh, I I hope this is a a big money-making movie. Unlike a lot of the sequels that have happened for other franchises this summer. Right. With with Anton dying and uh, 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 Leonard Nimoy, um, you know, I think... I think I think it's I think it's on enough people's radar that people are going to be seeing it. Yeah. 
Well, I certainly hope so. Because it definitely deserves to be seen. Right. Um, Great. And just real quick, the 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 nod of all the original cast with their with their picture was oh, yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. So that right. Oh God. This could take forever. So <laughs> that's so, why, that's why. so Spock looks at the personal effects of himself, you know, Nimoy, uh, original Spock from our, from the original time timeline. And yeah, in his personal effects, he finds kind of a, an image of the, the original crew and that, so that helped him over a decision point that might've seen him leaving the enterprise. Right. Uh, and, and it was cool seeing though, seeing those characters and how, Hopefully, the the photo had a positive effect on his decision making. Right, right. All right. Well, that being said, I think we've uh, addressed all of most of our <laughs> points of the show. Uh, I, yeah, I loved it. I'm going to see it in again. I'm going to see it again in a couple of well, days. So I'm going to see it at least one more time. We'll see. All right. Well, well let me go get back to that. Uh, I, the Gold Key Theater editing, and yep. uh, hopefully we'll get that out next week for everybody. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week with the Gold Key Theater episode. Later. Later. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review.